Revisit, the official podcast of the UCC Visitors Centre. You're very welcome to this episode of Revisit, the UCC Visitor Centre official podcast. And I'm delighted to be joined today on the show by Father Gerard Dunn, who is a Dominican friar and the chaplain of UCC since 2017. Good afternoon, Father Gerard. How are you? JP, how are you? Oh, this could be a confession. How long do you have? <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine, Father Gerard, and it's, it's nice to catch up and chat. I mean, we'd see each other regularly enough on campus in the normal times, so it's, you know, this podcast gives an opportunity for people to keep those conversations going and for people maybe who are missing you to see a little bit to hear about you know remind them about why they love the place and um, you might start there and tell us a little bit how you came to UCC and your own first impressions of the place. Well I suppose JP I was happily engaged doing lots of other things before I came to UCC in a way I stumbled on UCC because I was about to take a sabbatical from a previous uh, work that I was doing, you know, unprepared. And then during that summer, I got a call saying that the position was available. And uh, I had never, apart from my own university days in UCD, hadn't been back to a university or been around university since that time, you know. So uh, it was a, a call that I didn't expect and uh, quite a surprise. Um, and so, so you studied in UCD? I did, yeah. I suppose we all have our crosses to bear, don't we? I'm sorry. Closer <laughs> <laughs> to my hometown of Port Leash, JP, than, than Cork. So, yeah. I, I remember the first time I was introduced to you actually by your predecessor, mm. and he told me that you were from Port Leash. Mm. And I, being a little bit smart, as would be known, asked, Did you have any trouble finding a place around the university to park your tractor? Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I, it's a good yeah. thing I didn't know you then, JP, at that point. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, the look he gave me listeners that day, he could have killed me stone dead with the look. Mm. So, was that your first introduction to UCC? Had you been there before? or uh, I hadn't. I'd never been, even though I lived in Cork occasionally uh, oh. from time to time, but I'd never been to the campus. I'd never been at all, which is an awful pity when I think of it. So, my, my first real introduction was my first day on the 1st of September 2017. And it was a day I suppose I won't forget either, JP, because um, it was a Monday morning and the first thing that happened that a, a student had died that weekend. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. My first introduction to, to life here. Um, I met the president at the time and all the rest, and a group of students, and of course it was completely new to me. So it was a baptism of fire, but you know, looking back, it was probably the best thing that happened, just to delve straight into the work, um, mm. even though I felt, I suppose, I was unprepared, um, but I, I learned very quickly, I think, mm. uh, on the job, so to speak. So that was my so that was my first morning. I was only here about an hour, and I had to go to that particular meeting. And uh, but I suppose JP, the first few months, I was just trying to get getting to know the place. Uh, and the other thing that kind of struck me was university speak. You know, I think yeah. we take it for granted uh, that people understand the language of university and all the rest. But that's the bit I found probably most difficult. Uh, probably easier to decipher the Old Testament, I'd say, is it? it probably is all right. So I was leaning heavily on the administrator. You know, Bear here as the administrator. Yeah the chapel she's been at it for quite a long time so I, I leaned heavily I must say on Bear uh, just to help me with the, those initial months and uh, but I did, did get I must say uh, a great welcome from people yourself included uh, very early on um, uh, and uh, I, I couldn't but be I suppose thankful for uh, people's concern and their interest really in what I was trying to do um, that helped that eased eased uh, my, my, my entry into the place uh, very very quickly I knew nobody except one staff member uh, that was it um, 
Mm-hmm. But uh, but people were, were patient and they were gentle and they were kind. And uh, that's because I took off from them there after that. Like, so. did, did you get a sense of, I suppose, the spirit of community in UCC from a very early stage or? Well, I mean, I remember that very that day. I just I'm referencing back JP to that first initial meeting with students, and the president was there that morning, the former president Pat O'Shea. I remember his words because it was a, such a huge number of students that morning and staff as well. And he talked about uh, something that I've often expressed since was the family of UCC. And and he said when someone dies, you know that it affects it does affect the family. And I I, I picked that up very early on. Um, and, and again, referencing the, the support that I received from someone who was unknown in the place, uh, it was very evident very quickly that people had your back, you know, and wanted you to, to succeed. But in situations like that, yeah, uh, from that very first moment, I was I was made very well aware that community uh, and family, as Pat, Pat O'Shea called it, was was important and uh, as something I suppose I've tried to instill in the work that I try to do myself now. I, I think that comes across very much as well. I mean, I know... I would, you know, interact with the chaplaincy very regularly. And I think you're doing a very solid uh, job of translating those values of community and family in your work. Can you tell me, how do you think ministry in a parish differs from ministry in a chaplaincy setting? There are similarities, I suppose, in the sense that, you know, first things first, that you're constantly available. In a parish setting, you have to be because you can't. People, you can't decide when people things happen to people, you know, and it's very similar like that in the university as well. It's probably a bit more controlled in the sense that we work kind of, you know, the, the normal regular hours. The one plus, I suppose, about the chaplaincy is that we're available though beyond that as well. So those things don't change. You have exposure to uh, people, particularly students, I suppose, that you wouldn't have in a parish setting. That's very different, obviously. So uh, a younger generation to be uh, to be engaged with that doesn't happen necessarily in in, in a parish setting, True. but all, the, all of the other things are there. You know, people have uh, have desires, they have needs, they have wants, uh, and that's very. The, both of those are, are really quite similar. You know, so uh, essentially, this was the work of a chaplain. One of my predecessors here, maybe twenty or thirty years ago, he described chaplaincy as loitering with intent. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But that was his, he said, I asked him about what, what's, what's chaplaincy, how would you describe it? He said loitering with intent, and that's exactly what we do, because I suppose we often have to fight our corner to get ourselves known, even yeah. though the university does help us, uh, and being out there, uh, and being around where students are. So loitering with intent. <laughs> so yeah. we do, do a lot of that. When things are normal, JP, I suppose we're on campus fairly, a fair bit, and we're fairly uh, visible, I think, all right. Mm. Um, but but the intent, I suppose, of letting people know that we're there for them and that the service is for them, for staff and for students as well. I suppose we have a, we're unusual. UCC is unusual in this sense that we're, sta- we're, we're chaplains of staff and students. That doesn't always happen in the university system, you know. Yeah. And by extension, I suppose, alumni too, we have a fair bit of a connection with them, you know. So, But your original question, Jeffy, there's a commonality between the two of them. It's different, I suppose, in that you're generally dealing with a, a younger cohort and a questioning cohort as well. Mm. Um, but they all have, I suppose, the, the similarities are that people, people young or old, they always have questions, they always need, have needs. And it's, it's oftentimes the chaplaincy comes to the fore when things aren't going so well. And uh, we're involved, as you know yourself, sometimes in trauma 
and the 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 the, the fallout from trauma as well. And yeah, I suppose that's where we're where we're kind of really centrally centrally uh, positioned. You know, so I mean, universities centrally are places of questioning. So it, it doesn't yeah. surprise me that our our students would be questioning. Mm. You know, in, in a in a pastoral. Mm. setting as well you, you said loitering in a tent i mean in pre-pandemic age most of that loitering took place in iona i suppose or a lot of it did in the actual chaplaincy located on That's college right. road so could you expand on that and tell us a little bit about the chaplaincy and what the chaplaincy does and the services that it provides yeah. for staff and students yeah um i suppose essentially we're situated, JP, as you know, within a, 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 a triangle of uh, even on College Road, although our, counsel, our counseling colleagues are moving elsewhere from time to time, but we're billed as a part of the well-being, health and well-being part of the student experience area. And I suppose our element of that is the spiritual well-being of, of students, but not just that either. I think I suppose in my four years here, I've tried to move the chaplaincy closer or to the middle, uh, where we provide a lot more services now, our own health and well-being, uh, along with and in parallel with 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 uh, with pastoral services as well too. You know, I think that's been a bit of a a bit of a change um, because people are spiritual beings as well as everything else, and I think all of these things, people's health and well-being, are inextricably linked with with their faith, with their spiritual being, and so on as well. So. Uh, we provide all sorts of things, JP, I suppose. The, the one thing about chaplaincy is that it provides a, a listening ear, do you know, to staff and students. And yeah. we're non-judgmental, uh, we're non-directional as well. Either. We're very well aware of the fact that we're, we're not a professional service. We certainly um, refer students and staff to the other services within the university. Um, and we're constantly available 24-7. And people can just pop in. We, people don't need to have... An appointment to see a chaplain at all, you know. So that's one of the successes of a JP, I think, is the fact that we're constantly available. Even say over Christmas, there we made ourselves available online over the Christmas period by by email. Uh, and I found I, I was monitoring that over the period, and we had uh, twelve emails over the Christmas because Stephen's day, the days after yeah, from, yeah. from students and stuff like that who really were lonely, uh, nowhere to go, no one to turn to, and they weren't all international students. We often think that they're the, the cohort who, who would make contact at a time like that. It wasn't necessarily the case. So I'm kind of, I'm proud of the fact that we do maintain that service out of hours, you know, but, um, and then we do all the usual things, JP, you know, I mean, we like run pilgrimages, we run various courses, uh, development courses for, for students, some of them are faith-based, of course, naturally, pilgrimages, yeah. retreats, all of that kind of thing. But laterally, I suppose, I'm kind of proud of the fact that in the last uh, in the last while, we put together a new programme called Lechela, which is Irish for Together, but it's a health and well-being uh, programme that enables students not just to help themselves, but to help others. Yeah. Um, and we completed that. Uh, that's the central kind of tenement, really, of Christianity, isn't it? The, yes, to help other people. Loving God, loving self, loving neighbour. And I think yeah. that's an extension of it, exactly. Yeah. So so there we go. I mean, we're, yeah, um, I, I pride myself on the fact that the team here, and it is a team, it's not just me, as you know, JP, yeah. are, are available at all times. So. so I was going to ask about that team. I mean, it's a, it's a multi-faith team as well, isn't it? Yeah, it is, and uh, it's uh, it's multi-denominational, I suppose, more so than multi-denominational. Yeah. So uh, I, my my colleague, my other colleague, is Alan Marley's Church of Ireland um, chaplain, a wonderful colleague to have. Yes, indeed. And, yeah. 
Yeah, and over the last number of years, we've had a uh, we've had lay chaplains come join the team uh, over the, the last number of years, um, who've been terrific, really. And of course, we have better administrator. But I suppose you raise an interesting point, JP, because we are, I suppose, the Catholic chaplain and the Church of Ireland chaplain. But ultimately, I suppose that we serve staff and students of all faiths and none, not yeah. just the, the Christian community within the university. And that's been, I suppose, evidenced very much so in, say, for example, I don't want to be re- referencing back to death and all the rest, but of the four students who died this year, in this academic year, like three of them were non-Christian, you know? Yeah. And the chaplaincy was front and centre, really, in providing whatever assistance spiritually and, mm. and in other ways as well, too. So. And we refer people on as well, by the way, JP, as opposed to other other faiths, other yeah. religions. As There's this. definitely a place for pluralism yeah. in our university, Absolutely. you know. Yeah. yeah, and rightly, and rightly. Mm. Um, and it, it's it's no accident that, um, that universities, Irish universities, are secular by law, really, uh, not just because they they choose to, but they're... Since they're, 1908, actually. Yeah. I'm talking to the converted JP, so <laughs> <laughs> you know these things better than I do, so... So, the chaplaincy is also intrinsically linked with one of my favourite places on the campus, which is the Honan Chapel. Mm. Could you tell me about that, how the Honan has managed your role, and maybe tell me about, I suppose, the most significant restoration project in the history of the Honan, which is actually taking place at the moment. So you're the expert, JP, so I think as you can edit this, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> like the, the Honan is 105 years old. My association with it, it's in my care because I'm the, I suppose, the lead Catholic chaplain in the university. And with that goes the, uh, what's called being the dean of the Honan Chapel. So you're the day-to-day running of it and you're responsible for it uh, and its upkeep and its maintenance and all the various things that happen in the Honan Chapel as well. So it comes just because of my my uh, my, my my role within UCC. So it's 105 years old, a venerable building. And I have to say, I suppose more than anything else, it's a chapel, a place of worship that I have fallen in love with, I suppose, day by day by day as I've come here. Um, because of, as you know yourself, it's absolute stunning beauty, mm. both internally and externally as well. And so it's a pleasure, really, as was to to to, to manage it on 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 a daily basis. Um, you know how significant it is for um, staff and students. Um, it's properly known, as you know yourself, as the, the chapel of Saint Finbar West, and yep. bequeathed, I suppose, in some way uh, to the university for the for for i suppose the spiritual welfare of, of what was then the catholic students of of, of the university and staff as well so mm. and that's it it's managed by a trust as you know which was uh, put together in, in the early 1900s um uh, and lots of people sit in that academics uh, people uh, from the university who are nominated by the president who generally is the chair and other nominees as well. So there's a long and venerable history. But as you rightly say, JP, there if people are around campus these days and are missing campus, the, the one significant thing that they will see happening is uh, uh, an ongoing restoration uh, job on the chapel itself. Um, being 105 years old, it was beginning to show signs of wear and tear. In particular, I suppose, the, the fact that um, that people wouldn't see it when you come in to visit, but there was uh, ingress of water in various parts of the building, leading to the fact that it was making the building, I wouldn't say unsafe, but uh, in in a deteriorating situation. And so 
the trust uh, decided over a period of time to do a conservation plan on the on the on the chapel and out of that then uh, came uh, the opportunity i suppose to, to to fund the restoration of it the the, the work i suppose is done internally and externally primarily the, the work outside called the envelope of the building to make that safe again uh, repointing it and all the rest of the cleaning and internally i suppose it'll look very much the same but it'll be brighter and cleaner uh, all the um all the water ingress i would hope will will go away and uh, the intent is that the building will be maybe completed sometime early summer i would imagine by mm. by june sometime you know so but it's a place that's important to visitors to UCC. Uh, the, the the value of the you know the the Harry Clark windows, for example, which people come and look at the Oppenheimer um, floor, the mosaic floor, and I think just generally, I mean, I, I've never done a, a count on maybe just pop in on a daily basis just to spend a bit of time and to pray staff and students and visitors and others. And even though it's quite separate from the university, it's right in the middle of the university as well. And I think it holds place uh, dear to many people's hearts. It's a place of solace, um, but primarily it's a place of prayer, a place of worship for, for those who, who use it. And thankfully, even still, people come back, uh, graduates of the university and other universities as well, to get married. And um, I suppose it's one of the highlights of the of the, the wedding season to see people coming out of the, of the place having having tied the knot so to speak so it's like a circle for many people to get married there they're yeah. returning to the, the scene of the crime where they met first that's right that's true yeah. but it's great to have joyous events in in the whole and it's a wonderful a wonderful place and there's been significant history of of joyous events there over the years and i think some of the special events that the chaplaincy has um, administered one being this year which was put together the celebration for deceased members of staff which was put online this year and there's been some great feedback about that yeah well it was a it was a it was a, it was a kind of a prayer event rather than mass i suppose gp um, yeah yeah uh, and we're very happy that the president, the interim president, came and, and opened that for us. An opportune moment, really, just to stop and pause, which the university does when anybody dies, really, to remember those who, who have passed away in, in that year. And it was the first time we'd done it. Um, it was something I think we'll continue to do, because ordinarily when a staff member or a student dies, we we, we do them singly. You know, we, we have an event for for. Yeah. For deceased person, their families, their friends, their colleagues in the university and so on. But now that COVID has been thrust upon us, I think we'll be using much more uh, technology, I think, to be reaching a far wider audience uh, with the Honan and the things that we do there. And I think it was quite special, all right. And people mm -hmm. did comment on, on uh, how, how important it was uh, to them to remember our, our loved ones within the, the family of the University of Dying. And we also have over a decade's worth of wonderful fantastic christmas concerts put mm. together by the ucc choral society yeah. which we are obviously sadly missing at the moment due to covid but yeah. uh, we're hopeful to see those kind of performances return someday to the honan as well and they will i have no doubt that they will and they're they're some of those events are highlights in the calendar uh, of, of the people of cork and you know yourself uh, because mm. you've managed some of the the events for us by ticketing and all the rest of it. Uh, yeah, I mean, people come back purely because the, the place lends itself and the acoustics and so on to you know, beautiful kind of choral and musical festivals and 
that's something we want to enhance, I think, JP, as we go forward. You know? so. In my work, I regularly get emails from people who want to come and see the Honan. Mm. That is the, like, that's their introduction to yeah. seeing the rest of the university. Mm. And I think it might have been just under two years ago now, there was a, an Enya performed a concert there, which was recorded for RTE. Mm. And I had dozens of emails from people afterwards that wanted to come and see the Honan Chapel. The beauty of it, just from the, from the camera work and the photography that was taking place during that. So as someone who spends a bit of time in that building yourself, mm. do you have a particularly favourite piece of art or, or work in the chapel? I, I don't, but I suppose the Harry Clarks, uh, JP, speak to me probably more loudly than any other element, I have to say, partly because uh, so many of them are associated with local saints Monster Saints, and if I was to pick one, it's the one up when you come in on the top left as you enter the chapel, which is that of St. Finbar, and of course the, the association yeah. with St. Finbar and the university with the motto for Finbar taught, let Munster learn, but it's an absolute piece, it's a gem, uh, and the intricacy of the of the Harry Clarks, by the way, as part of the conservation yeah. project, they've, they've, they've been, they're being restored. Uh, and clean they look i think uh, exceptionally well but if, if i speak one uh, that's the one the harry clarks are i mean mm. immense uh, my personal favorite is is governor i'm, yeah. a, huge, I'm a huge fan of bees but even mm. the the intricacy of the yeah. the design on on governor's cloak and clothing as well as the bees as well yeah. i think it's beautiful i mean i regularly refer to the home chapel as being the jewel in the crown of irish ecclesiastical artwork mm. because that's the reality it is yeah. set apart from anywhere else I've seen in Ireland. It is just absolutely breathtaking. Mm. I'm amazed with the conservation project underway currently, JP, how it was built. Do you know, in a two-year time frame, 1914 to 1916, uh, it's unique in its style, as we know. And it's looking at the contractors who've been working at the, the conservation with all their health and safety and their scaffolding. And like back in 1914, there was none of that. And look at the, the, the gem that they created with mm. so much... Um, uh, local uh, talent and uh, artwork and all the rest. So one more interesting little piece, JP, I suppose, uh, just because we're fo focusing on, on the chapel, is that uh, connected to it uh, are, are what's called the treasures of the Holy Chapel as well, yes. all original. So I haven't seen them all. I've seen most of them at this stage, but many of them are original to when the chapel opened in 1916. So you've mm. old vestments, old books, old uh, tapestries that were on the back wall. They're magnificent, yeah. Absolutely. And I suppose they, in a way they've been, they've been hidden away and rightly too and being conserved. Mm. But the hope is that when the chapel is done, that another phase will be the restoration of those and getting them into a into a condition that whereby we'll be able to, mm. I suppose, display them at, at some point, in the future, wherever that may be. A very small proportion of the home and treasures are on display in a museum case in the student centre, right. just in in the hall outside where the Bank of Ireland branches. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah, and there's some lovely stuff there, but it, it's only really scratching the surface of what's there. And we're only really scratching the surface in, in, in this discussion as well, because we, we could talk for hours about some of the hidden stories in, in the home. And, and I mean, a lot of people listening wouldn't even realise that the O'Reilly building, as is now, was the Honan Hostel, which was a male hostel yeah. for male Catholic students. And there was a where the fire exit is on that building now was the main entrance and exit for students coming in and out. And it was actually a side entrance into the Honan from the wall. If you look very closely in the wall, 
you can see the marks on the wall where that entrance was. So there was a direct line of sight from the door of the Honan Hostel into the Honan Chapel. There's a message in that, I think. There is, isn't there? Yep, there is. There is. Yeah. And, uh, it's just, I suppose, part of this restoration thing. I've been looking at a lot of the old pictures that you referenced there in OJP uh, from the Honan Hostel into the chapel. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's an extraordinary legacy that, that the chapel has kind of given, if you like, to, to to the university. Um, There's a fantastic picture from the early 1920s as well of of the back of the Honan Chapel with the doors open. There's a there's a grid hanging between the doors, and you can actually, the rail of the grids are still on the actual doors of the Honan Chapel, but the grid has been remained. It's uh, and it, it's something you wouldn't see now, but there's all of these things that are worth investigating. I mean, for those who want to learn more about it, folks who are listening. The, the the Bible on this, if you pardon the pun, is the the Golden Treasures Atlas written by Virginia Tehan and Elizabeth O'Casha, published by Cork University Press, which is probably it is like a Bible of the Honan Chapel. It covers everything from the origin of the chapel, the building of it, but the beautiful work on the walls, on the floors, and all of the Honan Treasures as well too. It's a magnificent book. If you want to scoop JP on this particular podcast, I think those gates might well find themselves back in front of the doors as part of the restoration work, which would be lovely fantastic, to see. Because we yeah. still have them, don't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, is, yeah. that is fantastic. Well, I'm always advocating for the need for us to, we have such wonderful treasures in the university, is to find a way of display those treasures as much as possible. And the, the wealth of stuff we have connected to the home and treasures is, it's, it's, um, it's breathtaking. Yeah. So before we finish up, I have two more questions. Mm. What inspires you, Father Jordan? It's a great question, JP. I suppose I'd often, I suppose I would interlink both what inspires me and what humbles me. I suppose I think they're interlinked, really. And what humbles me more than anything else is, I suppose, the witness that uh, people in UCC give uh, to students, particularly. I think I found a lot of selflessness among particularly my colleagues in the student experience area who yeah. are extremely devoted to the cause of of students and their ability to to do the best that they can but also to be of help to them uh, i work with that team there are 13 departments in in the student experience area uh, i'm in awe of them really uh, and they one one goal that we all share in the goal uh, of helping students, uh, that that inspires me and it humbles me as well. Mm-hmm. And I like to think that in some small way, that the chaplaincy, um, um, you know, gives to that cause as well. You, you pardon the pun, but you're preaching to the choir on that one. Mm. Um, I think your contribution from the chaplaincy is 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 more significant, I think, than you're than you're giving yourself credit for. And final question: outside of your own immediate work areas, so if we take the hone and and the chaplaincy mm. out of this out of this question. Where's where's your favourite part of UCC? Gosh, JP, you put me on the spot, you know. But um, if I was to yeah, one particular place, I don't know. And I'm not saying it just because uh, you are around that particular place. But I mean, the quad is something else, like, you know, the stone corridor, the sense of history. I think when you walk the quad and the internal parts of it and the various offices of it, I mean, it is like, uh, it's emblematic really of the university, isn't it? And uh, mm. yeah, that's the bit, I suppose. There's another part as well, often forgotten, when you come into security gates there off College Road, there's um, a monument yeah. uh, uh, to people. And I think we've just passed that by sometimes, um, uh, remembering uh, those who have given so much, I suppose, for country and all the rest of it as well. 
Uh, that's a place that inspires me when I pass by. In fact, it's probably, and I know you didn't ask me this question, but something that I think the chaplaincy is trying to promote with others in the university at the moment is to have a dedicated space for staff and students who die, because we don't have that. I think that's a wonderful idea. Yeah. Um, Even a place to reflect. Yeah. And I kind of looked at a few places around the university and think of one particular place I'd like to, and we work with our colleagues in, you know, buildings and estates and others to, to do that because I often think that when staff member dies or a student dies, that's you know that's it's like we've we've done our bit, we've we've held the memorials, we've. But yeah. I think there's a, a case we made for families to come back to a particular place within the university quietly, uh, with no fuss. Life uh, goes on, but we don't forget. We don't forget exactly. And we need a, we need a place to remember. Yeah, yeah. So it's a, a it's a project that I'm kind of working on at the moment with others. Mm. Yeah, love to see it come to fruition. I think that is a, a wonderful, hopeful project mm. to, to reflect on and, and, and to end on today. Mm. Uh, Father Gerard Dunn from the UCC Chaplaincy, uh, thank you for joining me today and being so honest and so spiritual and so inspiring in, in, in your candor. I look forward to seeing you again on campus soon. Thanks JP and likewise look forward to seeing you back in business. Thanks a million. Thanks. Sir.